0: Welcome, everyone, to the Olympic Podcast of Ideas. I'm Jeff Kidder, and I'm joined today by my colleagues Rob Lyons and Alistair Donald from the Academy of Ideas. Uh, and also, we're pleased to have with us David Bowden, PR executive and alumnus of the Debating Matters competition, and Austin Williams, director of a Future Cities Project and the critically acclaimed Bookshop Barney. So, delighted to have you all with us. Um, so, today we're discussing the Olympics, which have been going on for the past 10 days and have a few more days left to run. Uh, What are we to make of the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, as they're still generally called, taking place a year late in an empty stadium in a half-empty city um, with still the threat of COVID hanging over it? How has it affected the sport? How has it affected the spectacle? Um, What are the negatives, the positives? What have you made of it all? So, Rob, do you want to kick us off? Until you just mentioned the crowds, I realised I hadn't
1: really thought about the crowds while watching it, actually. or um, well, not since the start of it. I mean, the sport itself has, has been as excellent as ever. Um, and obviously, I suppose as a spectacle it would be better if there were crowds there to really roar the athletes on and just you know generate um, real excitement about what's Um, actually going on there. Um, But actually, actually the sport has still spoken for itself. Um, So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not keen on the absence of crowds, but there you go. I would have thought small crowds would have been feasible. But anyway, Uh, but yes, the sport has spoken for itself. The the issue of COVID doesn't seem to have uh, affected the games very much. There hasn't been much in the way of athletes having to self-isolate. I mean, there was always the prospect or the possibility of uh, suddenly, like a, a wave of COVID hitting the athletes' village or something, and then um, and then like teams being knocked out of it, of or great swathes of leading athletes um, having to self-isolate. And that doesn't seem to have happened. So, the, in in general, I think it's been a, it's been generally an exciting Olympics. I mean, I, I, you know, the, the, whether it's the the blue ribbon events. Um, or whether it's the, the, the sort of the quirkier things that nobody knows anything about, there's been lots of great human stories there. So just just as there was lots of doom saying before 2012, um, and there's lots of doom saying before this one kicked off. Once it starts, I think the sport uh, takes over and the human stories take over. And from that point of view, I think it's still been very good.
2: Austin, yeah. Well, I, I think that's probably right. I mean, it's, it's grown into it, isn't it? Because obviously we're relying on the TV coverage, and that was fairly low key to, to non-existent at the very beginning. And as a matter of fact, I was hard pressed to remind myself that the Olympics were actually going to take place about three months ago because there was nothing ever mentioned anywhere because it was deemed that COVID would actually stop this in its tracks. And, and a good thing, too, was the kind of message that the BBC was putting across. So, yes, I agree with you that it actually it's become a, you know a spectacle as it always has been. I think the absence of crowds has been awful myself and it's been awful Um, especially when you see the the competitors come out to that star-spangled X-Factor entranceway that they have with their names and because there's nobody cheering at all Um, so that all that's been kind of uh, lost to the to the event and you know tens of thousands of people have missed the experience of actually going and seeing it but I think that um, my thing uh, just just to go step back on it in terms of like how the Olympics and how, that, how Tokyo have dealt with it um, has been a lot of, you know, we remember that um, issue with the resignations just before the Olympics, the Japanese type shame of, of ever having uh, done a misdemeanor in the, in the past. But if you go back five, six years ago, if, our, if 2015, I think, Zaha Hadid designed the original Olympic stadium. Um, And that was then condemned by most Japanese architects from Fujimoto to to Kengo Kuma and and all the rest of them, saying that this was a horrible foreign intervention, uh, dramatic overscaling for a city um, of uh, such history and integrity as as Tokyo. And how dare they? And then Zaha, before she died, uh, was actually kicked off the project and and Kengo Kuma actually got the gig. And it's it's an actually fairly boring stadium i think i mean it's i mean you can make some dramatic shots from it on tv but actually i just think it doesn't have the the kudos and the excitement and the atmosphere that you got from let's say the munich stadium which is a magnificent piece of work by fry otto just to remind ourselves uh, back in 1972 so i mean I, that for me that's kind of the starting point it's actually it's a disappointment the actual arena but there you go david
3: yeah i mean i agree it's a it's a it's a tragedy that fans can't be there but i think in comparison to something like you know the, the lion's tour going on at south africa at the moment in rugby where there's no fans and it just feels like a completely pointless exercise you almost go why are they even doing this thing that is supposed to be a kind of you know great touring kind of moment for a visiting team whereas here i think the sporting integrity holds up because you remind yourself the athletes are kind of really competing as much against previous olympics um and you know they're competing against each other um, and we are kind of watching that kind of drama and actually the uh, you know the sort of sport kind of stands, are kind of in, you know, kind of in front of that, and you know, in in, in many ways, I, I wonder if it's helped this Olympics because because all of the uh, negativity around it has been focused around on the COVID question. There actually has been less time for the for the normal kind of cynicism around the kind of the the circus and these kinds of questions. So it's almost easier to kind of park that development and just really focus on. On, on what is happening um, in, in the different events. And I found that kind of a really, you know, great, you know, kind of transcendent moment. Actually, it's just, it really stands, comes across to me that actually how unique the Olympics is as a sporting competition. I don't think any other event can um, transcend the lack of fans in the stadium as, as sad as that is. Um, and we still had these kind of great moments of, of you know, of, kind of, of drama of, you know, of the human stories and that's yeah, okay. you know, I found that kind of really wonderful to to be able to watch, Alistair.
4: Yeah, I think the the thing about Tokyo is it's you know in many ways the biggest city in the world, probably the most bustling, incredibly busy place anywhere on the planet. And none of that comes through in, in, in the Games. And to the extent that um, even in, in the events, which are you know, spread widely over the city and outside it, and you kind of don't really get a sense of, of how the sport is implanted in Tokyo as a city, which I think is tragic, because when, when it was first announced it, it was going to Tokyo, that was one of the brilliant things about it, an Olympic Games going to the city of Tokyo, and what a fantastic occasion that would be. And that just hasn't really come through... Through at all because the the city's operating at quarter pace and and every. Every one of the venues seems to be isolated, even from what it is, what is going on in the city, in this desperate attempt to to stop the spread of of, of the disease. So that's that's a real uh, uh, disappointment, and I think it comes to, I mean, the the Olympic Village looks soulless, for example, completely soulless. And parties have been, you're not allowed any sort of social mixing within the the, the Olympic Village. So having done your four years of preparation and hard work and in kind of quite you know the, the preparing for an olympic games to take part it's quite an isolating experience in and of itself so the one thing that you do want when you get there is that kind of release into a social celebration of of, of the games and that has that's gone missing but as others have said the kind of sport has uh, to some extent taken over i mean the the half hour on sunday afternoon with the uh, 100 metres final and the high jump and uh, the women's triple jump, just <laughs> half an hour of uh, absolute genius sporting contributions. They were just so exciting. So it, sport has, to some extent, transcended it, but it just somehow seems less, much less of an Olympic Games because of the conditions that is taking place. In.
0: So what about the highlights and the lowlights? I mean, you've mentioned some events there which were really took you out of the you know, immediate problems that have been discussed. Um, And obviously there's all kinds of new sports that have been brought into the Olympics for the first time, which have been particularly lauded by the BBC, um, because I think that some of the uh, GB athletes uh, excel at those sports rather than the traditional blue ribbon uh, jumping and running events. But uh, what are your highlights and lowlights? I mean, in terms
1: of sheer performance, men's 400 metres hurdles was just astonishing to have a 29-year-old record that's just, just being beaten by Carsten Vorholm Va- going into the games, 29-year-old record. And then for two men to beat Carsten Vorholm's new record in the final um, is uh, pretty... I mean, it's, it's on a par with uh, Carl Lewis and Mike Powell in the 1991... World Championship long jump sort of thing. It's, you know, oh my, what are they up to? Um, So just in terms of just uh, an amazing single event, that's probably the one that sticks out. But I mean, there's all the little stories as well. I mean, um, Charlotte Worthington in the BMX Park event, or whatever it's called, again, again, not something I've ever particularly paid any attention to, going in against the the red-hot favourite from America. Blows it on her first run, has to hold her nerve and do something that hasn't been done in competitive competition before, nails it um, and wins gold. I mean, and that's just a great story of holding your nerve. Um, and there's lots, I mean, I don't know anything about horses at all, but my wife, uh, who does, uh, says Charlotte does Chardin, taking a 10-year-old horse and doing really, really well in the dressage. Is remarkable because a ten-year-old is just generally considered far too young a horse, far too undertrained to possibly be good at that, and, and for her to have done that um, is, you know, a, 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 a major achievement. And there's just there's major achievements all over the place um, through this. But th- I suppose those are the things that stick out for me.
2: Well, it's uh, funny because obviously you mentioned B M X and dressage, uh, two words which should never be uttered. In a sporting arena. I mean, I got a free ticket to the 2012 Olympics, and I found out when I actually put my head above the stadium that it was actually the dressage because uh, you couldn't choose. And I walked out after an hour. Um, it made the most inane thing I've ever seen. Uh, it was skillful, maybe, boring, definitely. And then BMX biking, you know, like, like somebody said, you know, I can go around a corner and, and see a little bit of that with some hooligans on uh, on tricycles. But but I think they, I mean, in, in a similar vein, the Sky Brown thing is actually quite interesting because the fact that, you know, she fell over, which I, I find, you know, that's why we watch it, like, like watching Ski Sunday. Do you know I mean, you actually want to see them fall over and maybe break something. But the fact that she fractured her skull uh, whenever it was a couple of years ago and has come back um, is, is fantastic. A bit like that um, uh, the British show jumper who um, um, got got sat on by her horse uh, a couple of uh, years ago and went blind in one eye, was in a coma and has now come back and won gold. I mean, I like, I like all those kind of coming back from adversity stories. That, for me, is, is definitely what uh, the Olympics is about. And I think that also seeing these events that you would never maybe wish to see, but may, but actually you get intrigued by. I watched I watched a vast majority of the marathon swim the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen uh, but fantastically interesting the idea that anybody would want to do it or could do it uh, is generally intriguing i even watched some sailing i think handball is probably a game too far uh, that was just like basketball for people who weren't tall enough um, and, and but there's but there's some amazingly brilliant sports that you would never dream about watching which are so all of, so for me it's not like exactly Highlights, lowlights. There wasn't kind of a Bob Beeman moment yet, which which kind of set the world alight, or even an Olga Corbett moment. As a matter of fact, the Olga Corbett moment this year was actually a a gymnast dropping out rather than actually doing something magnificent. But I think that um, just seeing fantastic sports, which then comes back to my earlier point about the, the coverage being so crap, given the fact that Discovery Channel has bought up all the rights and the BBC was left with the dregs.
3: Um, that's, that's for me, has been a bit of a disappointment. I uh, kind of agree with a little bit on the BMX freestyle. I'm kind of a great convert. I was quite cynical, a, um, uh, you know, kind of around it uh, for the reasons that Austin has outlined, but actually it was, you know, that was about as kind of good a, an Olympic moment as you can get in terms of for the reasons that Rob has outlined. And so sort of sometimes you, you know, I think, you can have an argument about if if a judge it, it has to be involved in assessing it then whether it should be an olympic sport but then you'd throw out an awful lot of olympic sports that are, are long established so i think it's just probably good to see how that develops um and you know it's sort of a it, it was sort of nice to to have the competition kind of win over i think it's been great that you know actually it feels like the 100 meters is kind of back as a kind of proper competitive um uh you know thing now, after the kind of dominance of the kind of Bolt era, it was actually kind of really interesting. It's the first, I think, 100 meters final of the maintenance in my lifetime, where you thought you don't know who is going to win this at all. There's a kind of, there was no kind of clear favourite, um, and it was really um, kind of fascinating to see that kind of play out over the course of, um, you know, of, of the kind of heats and kind of final. And, you know, I, on the flip side of the you know Olympian experience, the um, looking at the sheer hatred Uh, Of the Jamaican uh, uh, sprinters in the women's 100 meters um, was an awesome sight to behold. And looking at Elaine Thompson sort of celebrating her, um, Sharitha Jackson and Fraser Price uh, shooting daggers at her um, uh, was a a reminder of the the deep level of a a, a hostility that exists between things. And that was a fascinating um, subplot that I wanted to hear uh, a lot more about. Uh, But then. We yeah, have sort of seen these stories kind of come across the the sprinting events it was you know again in the women's eight hundred meters um i think yesterday I think pretty much almost every competitor did their own personal best um and most of them lost um and that's what happens at the olympics that's when you sort of know you've got sort of a, um, sporting excellence you've got people pushing themselves um you know to you know to the limit um in that regard and you know and for sheer parochial reasons, seeing alex uh e in the um mixed relay for the triathlon as a, uh, as a local Lewisham and a, a Broccoli Boy and a Crystal Palace fan. Um, uh, uh, that's always uh, nice to see uh, some somebody get some success in a medal um, who's worn those colours.
1: Uh, I was just going to go on about this. Uh, is it a real Olympics sport? Because it's true. I mean, I, I noticed that the golf is underway now. What the hell is that doing in the Olympics? You know, I mean, I, I, know, I know it's not the first time that golf's been in the Olympics or, you know, even tennis and Things like this, sports that don't really need to be in the Olympics because um, uh, they are—they aren't the blue ribbon events of those sports. So um, I, I just don't understand why they're there, and it just turns the Olympic Games into this beer a moth that, um, therefore, um, it's just a real pain to put on because you're doing all these different sports that uh, aren't really necessary to the Olympics. And know, yeah, there is there is an argument for, for going back to the. The running and jumping and hitting each other and shooting things um uh theory of the olympics as well so uh, uh, and then there's the, the the one controversy and i know somebody in this panel has some views about it which is the handshake ending to the high jump which personally i thought was all right but you know because the the the, the, the sort of count back and all that is as a is a bit convoluted in high jump anyway and just saying you know what we we're equals, uh, is probably not the worst thing in the world in something like that, but I'm sure other people will disagree.
4: Yeah, well, in terms of highlights, I, I agree with Rob on the 400 meters hurdles. And, and this morning, again, in the women's uh, 400 meters hurdles, I mean, just incredible performances, uh, not just surpassed the world record but absolutely obliterated it uh in you know uh, knocking almost a second off is just is just incredible in fact i think i think the person each person that finished third in those respective races would have uh come inside the world record as it was just a few weeks ago so that's been a huge step up in terms of of quality uh in in, in that particular race for me the uh the perhaps the most inspiring thing so far and I, hopefully it's not over yet. Is Sifan uh, Sif Hassan in the? Uh, well, she's uh, competed so far in the fifteen hundred and 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 the five thousand with the finals uh, still to come in the ten thousand and the fifteen hundred. To see her the other day um, knocked over uh, and in last place, and then just pick herself up and push on through to win that that heat was just. Absolutely incredible, and then later in the day to take part in the five thousand final, and not just to win it. And she herself had said in advance she didn't know she was convinced herself she couldn't win it because the fall earlier in the day had taken so much out of her. But to uh, win that race with a world record beating last lap. Was just an incredible performance. I really hope that uh, she can push on and 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 you know if she can do that that uh, triple, which is I th- I think unheard of before because it's just such a, a diff- I, I think she has to race uh, six races in eight days or something, which is just pushing pushing the body to to the absolute limit. And I loved her attitude uh which was you know she said after the 1500 well i, I could have stayed down and i pr- probably they would have said uh give I, I would have got a pass through but i didn't want to take that risk and i didn't want to regret it and i didn't want people to say uh you you, you only won because you managed to get the the organizers to give you a pass through i just thought that spirit was was just incredible and and uh, something to celebrate and in in that respect it's it's obviously been something that's been slightly different to some of the stuff that we've heard of in 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 some of the other sports. And particularly everybody's talking about Simone Biles and and her unwillingness to continue in the uh in, in in the gymnastics until she came back yesterday, which um you know she's received a lot of criticism for that. Some of it for my taste a bit overly personalized. I, I think she's uh, perhaps what she did conforms to a wider expectation in society just now of the way that you 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 um, react and promote your mental health as, as as the thing and it's kind of almost gives you uh, it it almost seems these days if you talk about mental health it gives you some sort of substance and some sort of authority and she conformed that and I thought that the the, the, the To some extent, the criticism was a bit personalised, but uh, I I just think it's nice that there's been athletes elsewhere in the Olympics that have given us a much better uh you know something to look at in a much more positive light like charlotte worthington in in the bmx I mean, you know they didn't get any fun and and got there and 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 then obviously got back on the bike and thought sod it it's go for gold or go home and i'm gonna go for gold and just went and did that amazing uh true whatever it was 360 degree turn. i walked past bmx the thing in the park every day and don't take a blind bit of notice but it's just uh it's just captured something for me and I, i've just quite enjoyed
2: it. you're just reliving your youth uh <laughs> alistair um no i think the um i think there's a couple of things one is uh i mean i agree with the hassan thing as a matter of fact there was i can't remember the name of the guy but uh in the 1500 on the following day he got bundled over uh, and lay on the track and then hobbled his way around to make a formal complaint and has actually actually been reinstated uh, because of the fall. So I thought Hassan displayed a little bit of that kind of Olympic spirit um, uh, and and the triple will be phenomenal if she she gets it. So um, I'm rooting for that. And in some ways, that's also the Olympic spirit, isn't it? That actually you find these runners from Kenya or from Namibia or from, you know, Ethiopia, and you just want to root for them, especially when they're um, running against the old colonial powers. It's always good to see. Um, But I think the... um, the, the high jump thing, because I think I might be the person who uh, uh, was was mentioned uh, in a previous comment. Uh, you know, the idea that you kind of, you know you compete for a short while and then you kind of get fed up and you think, oh well, you know, let's just shake hands and, and let's share the prize is just a little bit on the pathetic side for me. Uh, keep going until one of you collapses of exhaustion. That's as far as I'm concerned. It's a bit like you know having the penalty shootout. In a in a football match, or I mean, the Olympic football is crap. But you know, in the Euros, for example, do you just say, you know, let's just shake hands and share the trophy. It's just for me, it's the wrong spirit, um, and it's so easy. I mean, in some previous Olympics and uh, and um, European athletics championships, you've had this kind of scenario where you know marathon runners or wherever it might be have actually kind of joined hands and come over the line together. In some way that was a kind of a, a tear-jerking moment of unity. And I kind of I, I get all that. Um, I mean a little bit sad, but 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 I buy it. But the idea of actually doing a competitive sport and then stopping the competitive element just seems to me to be throwing throwing the Olympic medal back in people's faces. Cut the Olympic medal in half if you're going to do that um, rather than have one each. Um, but i don't think it's right and then the final thing is just and i know i'm maybe taking it on somewhere else but on the 400 meters thing uh and it might come on to the laurel hubbard conversation i've do really seen this thing with uh, namibian two namibian teenagers who because of testosterone levels the olympic uh, the ioc requirements are that you can't run long distance races you can't run uh the 800 or the mile so they've been brought down to do the 200 meters and have actually been winning left, right and centre. So there's something very peculiar going on with rules and regulations and, and all the rest of it. And I think that needs to be cleared up very, very quickly.
0: The high jump thing, I couldn't get worked up about it. I mean, I, I I accept Austin's principle that it's, you know, you should have a winner and you should carry on till somebody wins. And as a Russian member of the Olympic Committee complained and said, look, the, ruler, the rule is that when it's the same on back with the two athletes, identical... Unseparable. Then you go back down the heights until somebody fails. So you could have done that. I mean, the fact that they did what they did because it, it was a very high standard of competition. The they did what they did and it didn't really create that wider debate about oh they're compromising the Olympic principles or I, anything. I I was more relaxed about it, but I take the general point. And it's also the case that it hasn't happened before, apparently since 1912, um, when um, somebody was disqualified for a breach of the amateurism rules and, and two people got the gold medal. So I, I couldn't get word about that, but we, you know, people can can come back on that. I, it hasn't, I think, hang on, it hasn't, it hasn't
2: worked people up because people have lost the sense of what the bloody Olympic competitive spirit is all about. That's what you see with this thing on file stuff. There's far too much poncing about you know, modern spirit. If you go back to 1912, one of the interesting things about 1912 and 1906 Olympics was the fact that if you, you know, when you are doing the marathon, you were stopping not for a glass of you know, Lucozade, but you were stopping for a gin. It was uh, meant to be uh, gonna, helping you on your way. Uh, so that the, whole, the whole spirit of, uh, of competitive edge and having a few little um, you know, side swigs was meant to kind of help you along and uh, and give you that boost i just think that you just needed something uh even if you'd injected them and said right now try jumping higher right and then see who can have wins that for me would have really brought the spirit back but people have just compromised they suggested it it wasn't even the officials they suggested it and the the officials Mm -hmm. um complied no i mean it's
3: actually it's in the I think they changed the rules a while ago to say they, they would give them the option, um, I think was that sort of um, element. I've, I'm kind of in the camp of saying this is a wonderful moment and it's kind of sometimes you just have to recognise this is rare and it's unusual um, and is is just not like other things, but also saying if it happens in the next Olympics, then it can't be an Olympic sport because you have to be able to decide a winner um, in, in some regard. But I do think there is a there is an element of chasing after a winner that involves then lowering the kind of bar and kind of changing the sort of nature of the sport to just being kind of actually who's who's got the stronger hamstring on this kind of one whose body has just got you know this is no longer about skill we just have to do that until one of you collapses also slightly changes the nature of what that kind of sport you know is about what you're supposed to be testing um there it's not supposed to be an endurance event a uh, um you know so i think that there's a a reasonable point to just say you know this was quite exceptional if it keeps happening and they have to find some way of a um separating kind of sort of athletes, but you know, let's just have it for now. I, um, and just in a way, it makes me kind of a little bit kind of crosser, you know, actually in terms of the kind of cultural context of why people are kind of reacting about it again a bit, because there's that trend in a lot of prizes to say, we can't celebrate, you know, we can't kind of give this to one way or the other. And actually, instances like this make those things look worse, like, you know, you literally have people who have just pushed themselves to the absolute limit saying, we. There is no kind of straightforward way of being able to divide these people kind of properly. It's something we should be able to celebrate in the rare occasions it, it does occur. If your job is to be a, a judge, then you don't get that, you don't get that opt out. You have to make the decision. If you have judges in your sport, um, then you have to make those kind of decisions. You have, if you have judges in the kind of world, you have to make those decisions. There's slightly two different things that are being um, judged. I, um, I mean, just quickly on the, also on the bios thing. I mean, I, I find it a bit of a, it, it's almost, again, a bit of a frustrating sideshow, uh, um, you, know, she, you know, psychology is a huge element of, of sport, um, people, you know, people have always often not been been at it, probably in previous times they might have said that, you know, I've pulled a muscle, I have a tummy ache, I'm not going to, I'm not going to compete, um, I think it's fair enough that, I think it's probably is better that people are being a bit more honest uh, uh, about that, uh, um, and I think it's probably a bit demeaning to ask you know, leading athletes to, to, to feign an injury when actually just saying, look, I just don't think I can compete. In, in many ways, it is not that different from, from her being kind of physically injured. She's not, she's not there. She's standing aside, the letting someone else compete. You might, might do a better job. I think that's, that's probably better. I think it's probably unhelpfully become jumbled up with um, the kind of Naomi Osaka stuff um, because of the have has been a little bit more, you know, involved in social activism as a kind of athlete and is now doing that. I'm, you know uh, because of the scrutiny involved around kind of making these statements I'm so tired I kind of don't have to deal with that I think that's that's that feels like a different kind of question because that taps more into that kind of cultural I think the sort of bile stuff is actually you know her still just behaving as athlete and it, it is a kind of still a good story if somebody is is not able to compete because of injury for whatever reason and is then able to kind of come back and find a way of Getting bronze while you know correcting their technique, there is something kind of still sporting to to celebrate in that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't even a she wasn't a gold medalist in that event at the previous Olympics. So in many ways, she's held on to uh, where she is. You know, in the same way we would have celebrated asher Smith for, you know, uh, for you know for you know being able to kind of run in one of the later races despite her hamstring injury and kind of maybe finishing close. We can, we can sort of have both there, and ultimately the historical record will show that Biles didn't compete in those events. And didn't win gold, um, and wasn't the winner. Um, you know, so that it's kind of there is. I don't think it necessarily celebrates the idea that, a, uh, or d- diminishes the idea of sporting competition that you just, you know, you won't compete when you're not when you're not completely able to compete. Um, I think that. Yep.
2: seems I only I only think it was less the, the thing itself. It was more the media circus around it and the commentary saying what a heroic statement it was that you pulled out rather than the fact of what a heroic statement might have been if she'd continued. But, I mean, in her own terms, I don't necessarily have a problem. I understand people can have, uh, you know, bad days and want to pull out, but, but, the, but the monologues on BBC of, of support were just
0: cringeworthy. And it's got to the state on the BBC now, I was listening yesterday, about uh, uh, actually going up to people and saying, competitors, saying, I hear you've had problems. Tell us about it. It's like it's almost like soliciting people who and they're like like what are you talking about? But they're sort of and they interviewed one of the divers who they said you know he basically had a lot of self doubt and issues after he'd failed in the world championships. Well, why why wouldn't you? That's what you would expect somebody who's a good athlete to do and to go and regroup and work it through and whatever. And this is being presented through a me- mental health prism and so you have the journalists and commentators almost going out searching for, for this and then in the Biles case but she has Simone Biles has these issues which are then presented in the, very crassly in the media as being as celebrating that this has happened because obviously it's highly unfortunate that this has happened but celebrating this has happened more important than just having a gold badge is finding out who she will, you know, she failed to take part in a sporting event for these reasons. And that's very unfortunate. And she needs to, you know, it's time to deal with it. But, but the way that things are being discussed and the way that the society is, or certain sections, I'm sure it's a minority in many ways, are almost celebrating these things and the way they're being discussed. That, to me, that's problematic rather than Simone Biles herself or some of the other athletes who've had quite understandable issues over their time, which is now being presented as mental health issues, and it's great that they're sharing it, and they probably a lot of them don't want to, sh- you know, why would you want to share that necessarily uh, in public? And the other thing I'd just say, well, when we go back to this in the last bit, but the Laurel Hubbard, I mean, the the, the synchronised silence of the medalists which people might see, which is going viral on social media, synchronised silence when they were asked about it yesterday was the the best riposte to this endless campaign, again, from various commentators and campaigners to say that this is a new moment in sporting liberation or or something along those lines, when, of course, it's nothing of the sort. Uh, It's just an attack or or, or, or to the detriment of women's sport. And really, that's what happened. And that silence said it all for me. Um, so, I mean, it's not something necessarily people have to comment on. The other thing that's worth noting on the golf, and I take Rob's point about golf and the Olympics as a strange bedfellows, but the, a lot of the golfers didn't take part in Rio because of Zika virus. And then they saw that it was actually a really big spectacle, huge international audience. They missed out on something. And so it has become a big thing now. So a lot of those golfers, the top golfers, who didn't take part in 2016 actually went to Tokyo now, despite COVID and everything, because they wanted to be part of it and they felt they'd be safe. So, and I've completely forgotten about Zika and all this, which kind of was the background to, to, to Rio in and, a and, and similar way that COVID, although obviously COVID has. Far greater, far greater consequences.
2: Zico was a great Brazilian player, wasn't he?
0: Is that too? <laughs>
2: but I, th- I mean, I thought the silence thing on um, on the Hubbard. I keep thinking of L. Ron Hubbard, but it's uh, it's Laurel, isn't it? Um, I thought that was the, well helped by wearing masks, so they didn't have to necessarily say anything. Um, but it was a, it 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 spoke volumes. I thought it was a it was a very good response to kind of stop the the nonsense. But I also think that there's um, the the football stuff, less so the golf. I mean, I don't know whether it's correct or not that the T- Team GB, Team GB football team, uh, male football team, wasn't there because there was a dispute amongst the various nationalities—you know, the Welsh and the Scottish and the English—FAs uh, who couldn't get it together to to resolve it, and therefore they never appeared. So, I mean, there's all kinds of little internal or background. Strangeness uh, behind a lot of these kind of um, behind some of these programs, um, but in general, I thought it was a, a cracking Olympics so far. As a matter of fact, the thing I I always kind of benchmark myself on nineteen seventy two. Um, uh, not that I'm that old, but I've been told about it. But actually, the you kind know, of the absence of the Soviet Union, the absence of East Germany, and the rise of China has been quite remarkable. Every event that you never think of. Has uh, got a Chinese person kind of uh, thrashing away um, as a as a medalist, you know, the the high diving and, and all the rest of it. Um, I just think it's a remarkable, you know, um, what do you call it, a rise from nothing uh, to become world leaders in these in these championships. And the final point I wanted to say was on was on um, uh, well being. As I'm Simon Biles is the fact that on BBC Radio Four. Today' program this morning, they've just had a big item on the well being of um, Tom Daley. Yeah, Tom Daley's knitting. So you know, at the end of every Olympics, there's always this idea. I always think it be wonderful. Everyone's going to take up gymnastics. Everyone's going to take up this at the other. Now they're saying it's going to. Everyone's going to be taking up knitting, especially men because he's now made it popular again, and it really, really relaxes you. Uh, and that's going to be the outcome of the Olympics.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say the Team GB thing has been. Uh, I mean, I, I can't remember what happened in Rio, but. It was a big deal in London that they finally got it together because they because they have these uh, different uh, national football associations they've never they've never competed as Team GB and because it was just so embarrassing to not have a a British team at at 2012 that they finally decided to get it together so perhaps it's just a return to the because they all get individual seats on at FIFA and that's yeah. A lot of what it's about is just protecting their political position, which is possibly from the from the rest of the world's point of view, the fact that you invented football, uh, why you have four teams and therefore four representatives politically at FIFA. It seems a bit of an oddity today. Um, so they they swallowed that particular political problem and uh, decided to compete in that one. So yes, perhaps uh, return to the status
4: quo. On the China thing, uh, I read some article the other day that some of the Chinese athletes and and I think it was a team that competed that only won silver, had come home and had to apologise because there was such pressure on them from the Chinese public uh, that they'd only finished second. I I don't know how true that is, but that that kind of mentality, uh, I mean, people in the West would have a heart attack at that. I mean, that's mental health destroying stuff isn't it Uh, you know (laughs) criticized for only only finishing second on the the kind of bloated olympic stuff and and um I mean, there's been several articles I've, I've seen which are, I, I suppose, the thrust of them is we need to build back smaller, I think one of the headlines was for, for the Olympics in the future, because they have become so completely bloated by all these 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 kind of sports. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have football in there, personally. I don't know why it's in the Olympics, as, as well as lots of other things. And the, the skateboarding thing that Austin mentioned at the start is, is you know, in many ways is a bizarre thing that has come in. So can, can the Olympics Survive that sort of bloating. But on the other hand, can skateboarding survive the kind of incorporation into the Olympics? I mean, this was the activity that emerged as a kind of countercultural moment where you skate through city centers, kind of all wrapped up in yourself and ignoring all the squares who were doing all, all, all their other stuff. And it's now kind of over the past few years, it's slowly become absorbed into the mainstream. I mean, there's any amount of academics that are off studying skateboarding and telling you how how great it's going to be for reviving cities. There's local authorities, left, right and centre, commissioning skateboarding parks because they think that skateboarders are the way to get better health and well-being and kind of watching your figure and all the rest of it. So skateboarding as, a, as an activity has become kind of mainstreamed in a way that, I mean, what self-respecting counter-cultural mentality skateboard, we want to go near it now. That is, it's such a kind of glamour thing. I mean, Sky Brown being a in point. I mean, is she not? Uh, I think I think she's got a Barbie doll that's kind of made in her image. She's uh, she's some sort of reality TV star and, and and got loads of celebrity friends or whatever. So it's it's hardly the left field activity that it once was. There was a uh, one
3: I, I, one of the British. Uh, um i think i can't remember if it's sort of taekwondo or something like that you know was you know supposed to be favorite and you know did say you know when they didn't win their kind of gold you know this is an absolute failure and it's been a waste of years and there was a lot of kind of kickback against those kind of comments and sort of you know sort of saying that's not a healthy attitude People were saying this person was the has been the world champion for last like sort of four years and basically you know they they should be expected to go and get the gold and they have you know, ultimately failed on the Olympic stage and that's the kind of brutality, but, you know, that it still matters to them that, you know, that they win. They're still as ultra competitive as ever. So that sort of competitive spirit is, is there. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting point. And that's what kind of reminds you, the more you hear from kind of athletes of that, you know, athletes and high level competitors are weird people. Um, and that's one of the reasons we should be very careful about trying to take them up as, um, uh, you know, a, um for their political statements, or their activism, on their kind of views on other topics outside of their their sport, because you know they're not a, um, they're single-minded and obsessed, and um, uh, you know and kind of play at a very kind of high level, which you know may or may not make them interesting in other things. But people should be very wary of trying to um, build them up to be kind of role models or kind of figures for anything else other than um, how they compete and. Um, in the sports, um, which I think is is just worth bearing in mind. And yeah, I, for me, one of the lowlights undoubtedly of the uh, uh, of the coverage was the, the stupid interviews with people who just lost, you know, sort of sporting events. I think the British runner in the men's one hundred metres who had the the false and got disqualified. There was this agonising interview. where It was the you know, do you, do you feel a bit ashamed that you you did that? Didn't like? Did you not know? Like, tell us how you feel about having just you know, fallen out of this event. And you just thought, I don't. What, what does anyone think they're going to um, gain from hearing that? So I could have done with a little bit less of these, trying to hear what their kind of feelings are around sporting success. They're going to be happy when they win. They are going to be unhappy when they lose because ultimately the winning and losing is for the most part the, the defining feature um, of the games. I think the one thing is to acknowledge, as Austin said, I mean, was in some regards quite fortunate with the Hubbard um, uh, a case that, you know, it felt like it could be settled on the sporting arena actually everything could be sort of set aside and actually you could just say you know this hasn't been as much of an issue because there were no no medals but you know obviously in some ways it, it indicates it's going to be the sort of first shot in a in a kind of in a, in a kind of phony war on this because you know this issue may come up again and you know that there are kind of difficult issues around um, trying to assess uh, uh, people's kind of um, you know who can compete in certain, um, uh, sports kind of based around testosterone levels and all of these kind of topics so it is obviously going to be something that's going to run and run and actually you know as much as you know I'm a bit uncomfortable with celebrating kind of people's sort of silences and trying to read too much um, into that because of course it may just be that they just don't want to get involved in a discussion on the topic um, so we are just trying to avoid something on it but it, it, it brings home that you know these are human beings competing you know that you know obviously hard blood feels she has the right to 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 compete under the rules, that's that's true, that's an understandable thing. It brings home just how important it would be for people to actually be able to speak their minds on this topic and be able to speak kind of freely and to try and really try and work through some really difficult new questions um, rather than kind of adopt a a, a sign of um, sort of silence or or not commenting either way. Um, That's my kind of thoughts on topic. I I actually don't have a, a clear stance kind of on the way, I can just see it's a
2: very, very complicated question. Is that, I mean, it's fortunate that she's a crap weightlifter, uh, to be honest, it kind of makes the question go away again for
3: a little bit longer.
2: Um, but, but I only wanted to finish with what Alistair said about the fact that if you can now say that 45-year-old architects in three-quarter length trousers and ponytails aren't going to be skateboarding along the streets, and it's going to be left to children, which is where it should have started in the first place, then I'll be delighted.
0: OK, thank you all. We'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, so our reflections on the Olympics. Sport continues. The football season begins again next week. The uh, uh, the, the Lions Tour is still carrying on in South Africa. Uh, but for now, thank you all very much. Until the next edition of the Sports Podcast, uh, goodbye from all of us.
1: Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.
0: Cheers.